want to go do. Um, I know we got several people sick right now, and I'm wishing they were here today because um, this first lesson is going to be so important. <coughs> what we're going to talk about, you know, the series we're going through right now, what I'm going to call is called the atonement. And when you think about the cross, the cross, Roman crucifixion, was widely considered by historians to be one of the, if not the most brutal execution method ever created, most painful, most suffering, most torturous way to execute somebody. Yet it was exactly through a first century Roman cross that the Son of God came and died upon. And that saying, you know, just died on the cross for our sins. That is the crux of it all. There's nothing more central to Christianity than the idea that a Jewish man from Nazareth died on the cross and rose from the grave. And that that's not merely a historical fact, but it has spiritual significance. In fact, it has significance for eternal life. All of the Old Testament points up to that one event on the cross. All the New Testament, in a way, points back to that one event on the cross. It is the climax of creation history. It is the climax of salvation history. And so if the cross of Jesus and the stuff that surrounded it before and after is so important, not just for Christianity, but from our understanding of history <laughs> then it kind of behooves us as Christians to understand what exactly happened on the cross. And I don't mean just the literal historical aspects of somebody was nailed to it with nails, but what were the mechanisms that allows us to say that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? <laughs> and I think that's an important question to ask because I've, I've known I've told y'all, and maybe you've had this too with people you've talked before, who maybe have asked the question, why did Jesus need to die? I mean, why couldn't God just forgive people? Why did his forgiveness come with a little caveat, and that was that somebody had to count the cross in order for that forgiveness to be achieved? What was, the, what was so important, what was so crucial that that was something that he had to do for us? Because if you think about it, if you, don't, if you don't know why he actually had to die, and you think, well, why couldn't God just forgive sins? It feels a little bit cruel. It feels a little bit cruel for God the Father to send God the Son to die on a cross if God could just forgive sins without. Why was that required in the first place? Well, that's what we want to talk about today, and especially this whole series when we talk about the cross and what happened on the crucifixion and this doctrine that's called the atonement doctrine. And today we're going to talk about that first thing, the need for the atonement. Why did Jesus have to die for us? That's the question I want us to talk about today. Why did Jesus have to die for us? And so there's a few things you have to know about the atonement in general and this, this in particular, before we get into that topic. And first of those, this, that people have debated, why did Jesus have to die for us for 2,000 years? This is something that non-Christians have asked Christians for a long time, and this is something even Christians among our own circles have talked about and debated for centuries on the, the purpose for Jesus' death. 
And we're not going to get into that right now. I'm not going to give you a history lesson, but maybe one day we can talk more if we ever did a church history thing on the debates that went on. The second thing we have to realize when we talk about this subject is that in all honesty, God in a way didn't have to do anything in the sense that he could have left nobody to be saved. When we ask the question, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? We really mean, why did Jesus have to die on the cross for us to be saved? Because in all reality, God would have been perfectly okay if nobody got saved. God doesn't lack anything in himself. He doesn't need us for any reason. So when we ask why Jesus died, we have to remember that it's purely an act of God's gracious and mercy that he even did in the first place because he didn't have to. He didn't lose anything if he lost us. The third thing we have to realize is that there's not one place in scripture where you can go to and say, there's the verse that says, this is why Jesus had to die. That's what makes this question so complicated. It was as easy as saying there's, there's one perfect scripture passage that answers the question of this is why Jesus had to die, then people wouldn't have debated it for 2,000 years. Instead, what we have is we have little snippets that answer the question here and there and imagery and metaphors and people who are talking about one subject, but it kind of lends itself to this subject. And you kind of have to almost like a puzzle, jigsaw puzzle, take all the pieces and kind of fit them together to fit what you're talking about. In a lot of ways, it's exactly like the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, there's no good one good passage in the Bible that explains what the Trinity is. You have to piece it together from all the puzzle pieces you find in Scripture. And final thing is that we have to affirm as Christians is even though there's not one good passage that says this is why Jesus had to die, it frequently says Jesus had to die. So even if we struggle with finding the perfect answer for why, we have to affirm that it was needed because the Bible says it was needed. And let's actually look at those in two places. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, at least 14, at least 14 passages in the New Testament gospels that says Jesus had to die, that was necessary for us to be saved. It doesn't say why, it just says that it was. Of course, I'm not going to get us to read 14 different passages, but let's look at at least two. One is Matthew 26, 39. Who, who wants that? Matthew 26. All right, Sammy. The other one's Luke 24, 25 through 26. Who wants Luke 24, 25 through 26? All right, Teresa. Thirty-nine. Yeah. Yeah. And we went a little beyond them, fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as." Yeah. So Matthew, Matthew's gospel in this prayer, he seems to go out of the way to record the fact that Jesus pointedly say, is there any possible way to do this without the cross? And the implication being, no, there's not. 
that there was only one thing that would have saved us, and that was Jesus dying on the cross. If there was any other way to do it, God, he would have done it basically at that time. And then the other one is Luke 24, 25 through 26. And that was Teresa, right? Who said, oh, Deb, Luke 24, 25 through 26. Yeah. Yeah. So there it's Jesus talking on the Emmaus Road tells them, don't you know the Bible says it absolutely is necessary for the Christ to die on the cross. So with those passages and the other ones in the New Testament, basically what we can affirm is that if there was another way to do it, then God probably would have done it. Because the cross was such a horrible death method that it would have been unfathomably ridiculous for that to be the, a better option over something else. So there was something about the cross and his death on the cross that was necessary for him to do to fix something that was broken that needed to be fixed in a way that God couldn't just forgive us of our sins. He actually needed something like that to happen. So let's go into that. Let's actually now that we got those four things in mind, let's answer the question, why God, I'm on camera today. Why did Jesus have to die? And there's really two answers to that you can get. The first deals with the, the, the normity of sin. The people who don't understand why Jesus have to die either don't understand the enormity of sin or they don't understand the enormity of God. So the first thing is the answer to the enormity of sin. We need to not just be forgiven, but we actually need sin to be completely removed from us. That's the first reason Jesus had to die. We don't just need to be forgiven. We need sin to be completely removed from us. Here's a good illustration for that. Um, you know, if I said something to Josh and insulted him and hurt his feelings and it was bad and sinful for me to say that to him. Then I realized one day, you know, I really probably shouldn't have said that to Josh. And I went up to Josh and I said, hey, Josh, will you forgive me for saying that kind of stuff? You know, Josh can say, yeah, I forgive you. In that sense, what I did to him is forgiven. But sin is not like that because sin isn't just about forgiving what's wrong. There's a degree of it that it has to be um, that it's a cancer that's attached to us, that it has to be cut out, that it has to be removed from us. And just verbally declaring somebody is forgiven doesn't actually remove the sin after it happened. And another way to think of it is that sin has a moral aspect to it and a legal aspect. In a moral sense, you can tell somebody you're forgiven, but in a legal aspect, if somebody breaks a law, they have to pay the penalty for that law being broken. We'll actually talk about that a little bit in a second under God. But we have to realize sin is more than just something bad that can be forgiven. It's, it's something that's attached to us that has to be physically removed. So um, sin in the Bible is described as something that is attached to all mankind. Somebody read Romans 5, 16. And if you got Romans 5, just stay on there because there's going to be a bunch from Romans 5. 
Dan, you got Romans 5? All right. Five sixteen. Yeah, and just stay on five because there's gonna be a bunch from that chapter. Look at the gift of body carrying the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Yeah. So sin is not just something we do, it's a state of our being as humans un under the fall. As a part of our fallen nature. We have a sin nature. When Adam ate that apple, it wasn't just his problem, but we actually inherited from Adam a sin nature that is a part of us as humans now. And it, one, gives us a desire to sin that we didn't have before the fall. And secondly, in, in some sense, makes us already guilty before God because we have that sin nature in us, which, by the way, is why Jesus had to have a virgin birth. Jesus' virgin was so that he didn't come from that uh, seed from a man. And so we all have this sin nature in us that's a part of our nature. Secondly, this sin nature, it doesn't just cause us to do bad things, but it actually brings physical death and eternal death. For the wages of sin is death. So it's not just something bad you've done against somebody. There's a eternal a weight of eternal death attached to sin nature that's part of us so it makes us unrighteous it makes us condemned before god it enslaves us and so i wish i had let's see if i can explain this a little bit better sin I didn't think about doing this till now when I brought the whiteboard. Hopefully you can see this. So you have Adam. Adam being the first human, the qualities of Adam is reflected in a degree to every human that followed. So he's born in the image of God. Every human is born in the image of God because Adam was born in the image of God. Unfortunately, that means when Adam ate that apple and sinned, that he inherited a sin nature. And so things about Adam then became part of who we are too. So we have a sin nature, a part of us. We die physically like Adam died physically. We choose to disobey God. We are separated from God. Remember, remember, what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? They were separated from God after it happened. All these features that happen in Genesis chapter 3 then become true of us because we're in this column with Adam. We're with him. And so what we need is not just forgiveness of our sins. We need, we need to be completely removed from Adam. And we need a new family, if we can use that term. We don't, need, we don't need to be in Adam's family anymore. We need to be in a family where we don't, a family without a sin nature, a family where death 
is not true where there's eternal life, a family where people obey God instead of disobey God, a family where people are with God instead of separated from God. So we, just, we need to be adopted into a new family, not just forgiven. So somehow you have to create a new family of a race of humans. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do that by having an event that is as powerful or more powerful than the original fall would have been. And so if the original fall was powerful enough to condemn the rest of the billions of people in the world to go to hell if nothing were to happen, then the new event had to be powerful enough to save billions of people if they place their faith and be moved into the new family. What event could be powerful enough to actually defeat sin like that? Well, how about if you take an eternal, infinite God who's infinitely powerful and he lives a life that is, for one thing, he's born a virgin, so he's not part of this line. He creates a new line. Let's put an X here. He's not born of this line because his father is the Holy Spirit. And he's God, so he's infinitely powerful. He's able to, he has no sin nature. We'll skip the death part. He doesn't disobey God. He's experienced perfect relationship with God. And he dies anyways, but guess what? When he dies, he comes back to life because in him there's eternal life. Then suddenly because he's an infinitely powerful God, on top of that, his death is powerful enough to do what sin did in the beginning, but in reverse. Jesus is able to create a new frame where there's no sin nature. We'll have that in eternity. We don't have that now. Where there's eternal life, where we can obey God, and where we can spend time with God. And that is what we need. We don't need to be forgiven of sin. We need sin removed. We need a new family. And we need an event that's an equal and opposite reaction to the original event. And so that's why Christ had to die. And that's also why he had to rise from the grave, by the way, to prove that in him was there was eternal life. And so, Jane, you're in Romans chapter 5. Read Verses, read verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. Yeah, then go do 14 through 21. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking them, as did Adam, who is a pattern of one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and gift that became the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow into many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. 
For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of, gift, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also the righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just as, the, just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the disobedience of one man, the obedience. I'll say, oh, sorry. <laughs> and also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where in sin increased grace, increased all the more. So that just as sin. Reign in death, and so also grace might reign the righteousness to free the life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah. There you go. Can't say it better than Paul. So before we get to the second reason why Jesus had to die, is there any questions about that? That we need to sin not to be forgiven, we need sin to be removed. Does it make sense? We need sin to not just be forgiven. We need sin removed from us. We need sin to be removed from creation. And granted, we still have sin in this creation, but that's why Jesus is coming back. It'll be completed then. What he 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 enabled that on the cross. That's that's finished when he comes back you have the new heaven and new earth that is the recreation of the garden of eden the book of revelation well god can't tolerate sin but it had to be removed not just forgiven yes yeah you know, it, and if if sin was still around, God still can't be with us. Exactly. Well, let's go to the second reason. Maybe it'll make a little bit more sense to you. So the second uh, second reason Jesus had to die is that God had to deal with sin in a way that was consistent with both the fact that he is, is that God is just and He is loving. So sin had to be dealt in a way that was consistent with the fact that God is both a just God and a loving God. A lot of times when I hear people say, well, why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't he just forgive? The, we live in a culture that emphasizes the love of God, and that's what they are doing. They're placing the love of God as like a supreme character of God, and it's almost like you know God's love is so great it can overcome anything. But God has a second quality that is equally as important as his love, and that's that he is just. And sin, as I've said before, is not just a little flippant thing that you do against somebody. It's a legal act against God that carries with it, like any other punishment or breaking a law, a punishment with it. And so... Because God is just, he can't just ignore the punishment of sin because that would make him unjust. 
there's a rule with um, in the legal world, a theory about pardoning somebody's uh, punishment. That is that a pardon is only just if they were being punished for something incorrectly in the first place. So like if somebody was accused of, of stealing when they didn't steal, then if you pardon that person, that would be a just pardon because that person never deserved that punishment in the first place. But if you pardon somebody that actually did something, like if somebody murdered somebody and then you just went in and removed that punishment and didn't make them do it, that would be considered an unjust pardon because they fully deserve that punishment. And that's true when we talk about God and sin. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Sin carries a punishment with it. And it would be unjust for God just to allow sin punishment to go without being paid. So God had to deal with sin in a way that proves his justice. But the other part that we can't forget is that God also loved. And that's the part we all know about. And so there had to be a way for God to both punish sin and provide the love and mercy toward us at the same time that he wants to do, because that's his will. That's who he is. So instead of just pardoning sin, which would be unjust, or making us all face the wrath of, of sin, which would be unloving, God himself paid the punishment for sin so that in that way it would be just because the punishment got paid for. And it would be loving because he did it for us instead of making us do it. And so you get passages like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, 1 John 4, 10, that talk about how God's love motivated him to be the one to endure this. And then you get the big passage in Romans chapter 3, verses 25 to 27. If you, want, you might want to get that, Romans 3, 25 through 27. Romans 3, 25. Joe, who you got the KJV? I wonder what that one sounds like in this passage. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of a hard passage. Anyways. Romans 3, 25 through 27. Yeah, go for it. Whom God has set forth to be in a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, where his coat is in, it is excluded by the one law of work, nay, but of the law of faith. Yeah. So the big phrase in there, he says, the God did this so he could be just and the justifier. So he did it so that he could satisfy. So if you have a pie graph of two equal qualities of God, his justice and his love, 
where God's justice and his love meet is the cross. Because on the cross, that's where he could be both just against sin and the loving justifier for us in our place. So the thing we have to remember when we talk about God, and I want to point this out again, is one, this is not something that God had to do because he missed like he needed us. And secondly, this was something God knew he was going to do when he created us. When God created humanity, he knew that that road was the beginning of the road to the cross. Do you realize that? Because we talk about Jesus being the son of God, but when we talk about the Trinity, the son of God is God. They're all God. So when God created mankind, he created that knowing that he was going to die for his own creation in order to both justify his own law and to love his own creation. And so why did Jesus have to die? Well, he had to die because sin had to be completely removed in a way that was as powerful as that first event, if not more powerful than that first event recorded in Genesis 3. And secondly, God needed to act. If he was going to save somebody, he needed to act in a way that fulfilled both his justice against sin and his love for humanity at the same time. And when you combine those two reasons together, what you find is Jesus hanging on the cross is the only way it could happen. Now, you could ask the question, why the cross? You know, all those questions really resolve the issues. Why did Jesus have to die? It doesn't resolve why the cross in particular. And for that, the best thing we could say is, like I said earlier, if the cross was such a horrible method, why would he choose that unless it was the one that was necessary? So the best we have for why exactly a cross is Galatians 4.4 4 and Romans 5.6. So you, do you still have Romans 5 on your phone? Who wants to get Galatians 4.4? 4? Okay, Teresa, Galatians 4.4. 4. Romans 5.6. Yeah. We see at the just right, we see at just the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died to the ungodly. Yeah. And then Galatians 4.4. 4. 4, 4. Yes. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yeah. So Galatians 4 4 says there was when it was the set time. Some translations say the perfect time. Romans 5 6 says it was at the right time. So there was something about the Roman cross in the first century that for some reason that we don't know, God says that was the perfect time and the only time that Jesus could have died to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And the fact that it was a Roman cross, you know, that just speaks more to God's love that he was willing to endure that force as opposed to something else. So do y'all have any questions about that before I ask some of mine or any comments? Well, I'm thinking, you know, at that time, it's just the perfect time. That's where Jesus is. And that's how they handle how they did the Romans, how they handle 
things like that and at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, had they been you know, somewhere else where they just hang them, yeah. you know, then that would have been mm -hmm. what was happened at that time. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah and i think there's there's probably an element of that because i think i know that the perfect time and just the right time refers to more than just the cross being there uh you know there's other aspects in play like for example greek and latin dominant languages throughout the known world for the first time in history instead of everybody having different languages you actually had a common language you could spread the gospel with roads were better than any time in history where you could travel places before where you couldn't travel and safer too because of the Roman Empire. So there was a lot of reasons why that ended up being such an awesome time to begin the gospel spreading. Um, so I don't think it's just the cross, but there's other stuff involved with it. The cross is part of it. God created us to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Because we had free will, whether you were sin or not sin, but we couldn't. Yeah. We could live up to it. And we really, and I'm glad you mentioned the angels, because some people pointed out, you really see the love of God and the fact that the angels also rebelled against God. But God, Jesus didn't die on the cross for the angels. The angels aren't given a second chance to be saved. They got that one chance, and God, for some reason, said, okay, you know, a third of you, you're forever condemned. And they just didn't die for them. But for us, he did make a way for us to jump that canyon back over to God's hill. And that really shows God's love for us more than he loves the angels, which is true in itself. And also shows that God didn't have to do it. He did it purely for us. But don't you think uh, maybe the angels were It definitely didn't surprise God. That was part of his plan. He knew it was going to happen from the beginning. That was part of his plan all along. That's in the, uh, through the temptation, uh, through Job and all. Yeah. And then uh, when Jesus was in the wilderness, uh, Satan was tempted in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, bragging about what he could do for Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, and finally, uh, Jesus, uh, or God, uh, had fed up with it enough, he just turned and told us to get thee behind me. Mm -hmm. He won't fall. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll and we'll talk about the resurrection a little bit. Um but in both cases, both of those reasons require resurrection. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but when Jesus, 
when Jesus died, he was also enduring the punishment of sin in addition to the physical stuff. And I, you know, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. The death is needed for the first reason about sin being conquered because death is a part of sin's domain. So death had to be conquered for sin to be conquered. So he needed to rise from the grave to defeat death and defeat sin for us. And then on the, on the view of God's justice and love, it was required because it's kind of in that pardon idea. Jesus died justly in a sense because he had no sin. And so that was God's way of proving that he was, and he is, I mean, who he said he was, and that he was sinless, and that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that was God's justice, the Father's justice toward the Son. Show his justice and love toward the Son. So yeah, the resurrection is definitely needed in both cases. Daddy! Hey! We're talking here. Yeah, it looks like she escaped because I don't see anybody else coming to get her. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I hope um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, if you guys get any questions, I'm going to put you down because you're wiggling. Um, so 